Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on the Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. Well, good morning, Venture. Good morning to those who are watching online and those who are in room. And uh, it's great to see everybody. I'm so glad the downpour didn't scare you away. Um, We'll take any rain we can get uh, these days. I I was up early this morning. I I heard the sound on the window. I was like, what is that noise? And then I realized, oh, it's rain. I remember what that looked like. And so uh, thankful for that. Thankful for what's going on with it. Thankful to see everybody. Uh, We're getting full, especially here at first service. We did an in-service kind of snapshot a few weeks ago. Some of you asked, how did it play out? What, What did people vote for? It was almost split evenly among all three. Honestly, it really was, which is kind of surprising for us because I think we all think whatever we think, everybody else agrees with us. So it's good to know, you know, there's some diversity of opinions. We're gonna come back and do a more formal survey and really find out, okay, when we launch a third service, which one would you actually attend? Not just kind of preferences of the three, but which one would you actually commit to if you were gonna go to a different one? So that'll be coming in the next few weeks. For those of you who've been asking about that, what did you do with that information? We're still working through it, praying through it as a staff team. Uh, We we have a goal that we want to uh, serve this valley. We wanna serve across the Bay Area in every way that we can. And so we, we ask that you pray with us that we'd have wisdom, but it's a good problem to have. And we're thankful for it and we're glad that you're here. If you're visiting with us especially, we're thrilled that you're here. Thrilled that you would, even if it's for one week, we're thrilled that you would come and join and be a part of what we're doing here. Uh, for, for my sake, I, I just tell you, if you are visiting, I love this church. Man, I, I love the people of this church. I can't think of a better group that I'd wanna be a part of. So you, you just need to know that, but I'm a little biased uh, in that. And I, I would, another question I've been asked quite a bit from guys is, are we gonna do a men's study this year? And uh, last year, it got kind of crazy with my schedule and everything, but as I was praying about it, it's just one of the areas I feel most passionate about, that we need to be together as guys, we need to have that connection. So first week of October, first Thursday of October, I'm starting another men's study. It'll be a new one I've not done before, and it's entitled Tested. Tested, and it's uh, how does a man face the trials of a man's life? A little bit different in that I'm gonna go through the life of Joseph, because I think as you walk through scripture, you walk through Joseph uh, in that, you see these things that we as men struggle with. And so uh, look for that, that'll be posted on the website. You can sign up or show up. We're guys, we make it simple. So if you just show up that day, we're great with it. We're, we're glad that you're there, you'll be at a table. We'll have time of teaching and, and really the most important thing we do as guys is just time to talk together and share with some other guys around some of the trials maybe you're experiencing in your life. That's first Thursday in October. A a lot going on. Make sure you look at the website. We have all these announcements. We could spend the morning around that. We don't wanna do that, but I don't want you to miss out on anything. And so there's a lot going on. Make sure that you're looking at it, you're connecting with it, because we want you to be able to take advantage of all that God's doing through our church here. In fact, why don't we take a moment and pray, and then we'll dive into today's passage. Will you pray with me? Father, I do thank you. I thank you for all that you're doing. I thank you for the uh, Bible studies, the women's Bible studies that launched this week. I thank you so much that uh, tomorrow night, Living with Hope in Mental Health is launching and the importance of that ministry. 
I thank you that uh, we get the opportunity on Saturday to go serve together with Dia de Unidad and to be able to serve our community. I thank you for our life groups. I thank you for our children's ministry. I thank you for Tuesday night and the activity here and to know that young people's lives are being transformed by your word and by the relationships of adults investing in them. Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing through our church. All of it goes back to you. All of it is based on Jesus. I pray that we'd realize that even as we dive into this passage today, that even our personal life, so many of the things that we wrestle with, so many of the questions that we have about ourselves, we find answers in the gospel. So I pray, would you reveal those answers today as only you can through your spirit and through your word. And I pray this in Christ's name, amen. Well, last week we dived into the second half of the book of Romans, uh, the more practical half, if you will, that's rooted on the good news, the gospel that Paul laid out in the first 11 chapters. And it was a pretty profound passage that we looked at last week. It's one that I come back to again and again and again, because I think it's one of those passages God wants us to wrestle with, where Paul says, I urge you, I appeal to you brothers, by the mercies of God, based on everything that God's done, and here's this command that you present you, that every day we're called to present ourselves as this living sacrifice to Jesus. Holy and acceptable to God. We can do that. We can present ourselves because Christ has made us holy. If you're a believer, you are acceptable to God because of what Christ has done. And, and this is our worship. This is how we truly worship God. It's not just the songs that we sing, it's the life that we live that your life, my life, is, is designed and we're called to spend our whole life as an act of worship to him, living out who he's made us to be and what he's called us to do. Now, the second verse in that, he says, don't be conformed to this world. You got this battle that's going on to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we, we talked about that word conform means shape. The world's trying to shape you all the time but the Holy Spirit is transforming you. Uh, that word in English, it's metamorphosis. This radical change from the inside out that God wants to do. And you experience that transformation by the renewing of your mind. That it starts here. It starts with right thinking. And, and when I say that, because a lot of times when you go, okay, as a Christian, you need to have right thinking. What, what do you attribute to right thinking? What would you say right thinking even is? And a lot of times we immediately kind of go, well, I shouldn't think bad thoughts. I shouldn't think, you know, lustful thoughts. I shouldn't think mean thoughts. And that's a category of it. But I think when, when he's talking about this right thinking, it's bigger than that. It's not just that I don't think bad thoughts. Am I thinking the right thoughts? Am I allowing Christ to answer the biggest questions in life? And maybe another way of looking at it is when, when you think about your thought life, when you think about what's going on, what are the things that you wrestle with? What are the things we wrestle with as a culture today? When, when, when we allow anxiety to overcome us in certain ways, when, when we allow this frustration maybe or boredom, when we have feelings of loneliness 
that pervade our culture and they're only getting worse. When you have those days that you wonder, why am I even here? Or or those times, and this is especially true of young people, that you're working so hard, but you don't feel like you measure up. In fact, I I read in one article, a college professor, Joseph Davis, he he wrote an article, The Deep Roots of Youth Anxiety. And and part of it around this, there's one student, Megan, she's a 19-year-old scholarship student at a first-rate university. But as she describes it, she said, yeah, but I I really failed. I'm frustrated, I'm despairing. I'm only attending my safety school. I didn't get into my real school. I should be somewhere better and I need to be acing all my classes and I need to be present on 40 organizations or such, but that's not really happening. I am, if anything, a mediocre student. And that makes me so angry at the world and then me for not being the best person. And although she wants to impress someone, she said, I feel like I just end up every day being impressively unimpressive. Man, you you feel that? You feel that sense of angst and anxiety or or maybe it's what you wake up with every day. And, and, And so when we start thinking about not being conformed to the world, but being transformed, but by this kind of right thinking, it's not just like, oh, you need to have Sunday school thoughts and think all the right good things. No, Jesus came, the gospel came to radically change your world with all the deepest questions you have in your life. And you'll find that Jesus is the answer to every single one of them. Now, even as I say that, some of you go, yeah, right, you're a little skeptical because frankly, the world system says, yeah, no, it doesn't work that way. That's why we have to have a transformation in our thoughts. And so as Paul moves on from this this command and this command of, living sacrifice and conformity and and transformity, he he moves into a section of it of how do you answer these big questions? So today we're gonna answer three big questions in it. One, do I matter? What does right thinking look like in answer to that question for you? The second question would be, do I belong? What does right thinking look like? What does it mean to have transformed thinking instead of conformed thinking like everyone else? And then the third question is, do I have purpose? Am I useful in a way? And and so as we look at it, the first big question that he's gonna answer is, do I matter? Do I matter? And when you think about this question, kind of wrong thinking, he says, remember, don't be conformed to the world. How do we think about ourselves wrongly too often? Well, one, we either think too high of ourselves and we struggle with pride. And by the way, we all struggle with this. There's some context out there where you think too high of yourself. Maybe it's not here. Maybe it's not in the classroom. Maybe it's not in the sports field or something. There's some place though, man, you get there and you think too high of yourself. And and the reality is we're wired to think that way because life is about us, according to us. I, I mean, think about it for a moment. If there were a Netflix show that was based on your life, who would be the star of the show? Me! And you're all bit players, by the way. 
Some of you have bigger parts than others, but at, at the core of my life, it, I mean, it's the Tim show. And without thinking it, I can make life the Tim show all the time. Then I'm always thinking life according to me and how it impacts me. And then you start going, well, and how do I look good? And how do I stand out? That's why in the seven deadly sins, back in history, the church listed seven things. They said, these are deadly sins. You know what was first in the list? Pride. Because it can undermine everything else. And it's so insidious and so toxic, it works its way in, sometimes when we don't even think it. So you go one extreme of too high, and then you can go to the other extreme, too low. And this is insecurity. And I'm worried about what people think about me and I don't think I measure up. And I'm feeling that anxiousness all the time and I'm comparing all the time. And so you go from that too high to too low and more than anything, it's probably just too much. And it doesn't matter if it's too high or too low, I can be self-focused all the time. In fact, and and I would caution you, because some of you go, well, I'm not real proud. I, I mean, I'm somebody, I'm so low in it. Some of the most self-focused people I know are really insecure people. Because they spend their whole life worried about how am I coming across and what am I gonna say and what are they thinking about me? Why did they give me that look? And I don't know if I can do this. And, And the whole thing is about me. And I'm making it about me. And and so I can do this too high or I can do this too low, but at the end of the day, it's just too much. Where in answer to the question of life, do I matter? Yes. Because it's about me. So what does Paul say? He said, well, okay, we don't want to be conformed. We want to be transformed. So let's dive into this topic. For, the, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. And so, so first is too high? No, don't think more highly. But notice he doesn't say you should think of yourself as the lowest. He says more highly than you ought to think. There is a valuable worth that you have in that. So don't don't inflate it too much. But going to the other extreme doesn't help either. To think with sober judgment. Look at that word. When you're evaluating you, you do it with sober judgment. And and so, you know, sober is clear judgment. Sober is a, a, a... clear clarity to it. There's a, there's a consistency to it. I mean, if, if you were going to go to the other extreme, what's the opposite of sober? Drunk. What's drunk judgment like? Yeah, it's not good. And, and if anything, what does drunk judgment do? It's erratic. It's all over the place. I mean, you can take it down even to your physical body. What do they do when they want to test if they didn't have breathalyzers? What they used to do back in the day? Walk the line. Some of you said that like you've had experience with this. I'll just say that here. You walk the line. Why? Because when you're drunk, you're kind of, you're all over the place with this. And I think in the same way, when it comes to evaluating yourself, you mean, you can go higher, low, man. One minute I am so proud. And then it's amazing. Like a second later, you can find yourself insecure. Because if it's based on you, That's what the judgment's like. Paul says, no, you you need a sober judgment. You need a standard. 
each according, and look what the, the line here, according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, this phrase here sometimes gets mistranslated or, or misapplied because you could read that and go, the measure of faith. Okay, I need to have more faith. If I had more faith, I would think right about myself. That, that term measure of faith, and, and this is where some of the commentators, there's a guy named Cranfield who is like the Romans commentator. He, he dives into the Greek at a deep level. And, and part of it, he said, no, this, this line here is not, you need to have a higher measure of faith. It really, the line here is the standard of your faith. He says, your judgment of who you are is based according to the standard that God has set. Now, who is the standard of our faith? Jesus. So he says that sober judgment you have is not just you trying to figure out you, it's you in light of Jesus. And so when we think about this right thinking, this right thinking is my worth is based on who I am in Christ. My worth is based on who I am in Christ. So I, I don't think too highly of me because compared to Christ, if Christ is my standard, I mean, would I ever go, oh yeah, I'm above Christ? No. But likewise, I, I don't go way down here like I'm a dog, I'm a worm and that, because actually, you know what? I'm in Christ. So what does Christ think about me? What has Christ said about me? In, in fact, it's been helpful for me to try to think transform thinking in this area. Because I can ride the same roller coaster you ride. That one minute I'm way up here with pride and one minute I'm down here with insecurity. And so to, to get that consistent standard of, okay, what does Jesus think about me in this setting? And it's been really helpful. Those times, you ever have those times when you kind of feel like I'm kind of a big deal? And then picture yourself, Jesus is standing right next to me looking at me. And he always has this look like, really? Really? <laughs> Really, you think you're that important? And it's like, oh yeah. I'm measuring to the wrong standard, aren't I? And it shows up at times I don't like it because he, he's starting to convict me in ways. I think my impatience is usually built on my pride. Because I can think, well, I'm kind of an important person and these people in my way and these people that aren't doing what I'm doing and I get impatient with it. And I realize, oh, you think you're really important, don't you? And then I got Jesus there kind of going, really, really, seriously? Now, the flip side of it, some of you, you think so low of yourself and you say things to yourself every day. You say horrible things to yourself. You think horrible thoughts about yourself. Can you imagine what Jesus thinks of that? I, I kind of picture, you know, we, we've got a lot of kids and so we've done a lot of youth sports over the years. And the most cringy moment, the moment like, it's like nails on a chalkboard. Have you ever been at, at a ball field and you hear a parent yelling at their kid and saying horrible things to him? And you're just like, seriously? Seriously, you're gonna run them down like that? And I think the same way that some of you, the way you talk to yourself, the way you run yourself down, the way you live in, in that just insecurity or low or whatever it is, or maybe it's based on wounds. I think there's times that Jesus hears you and looks at that and says, hey, by the way, you're talking to my child. You're talking to somebody I love. 
and I created. And so maybe it would be helpful for you in those moments, instead of diving right back into that same monologue again, and those same things you say, just stop for a moment and go, what would Jesus say in this setting? See, that, that I start having my thinking transformed by the measure of my faith, by Jesus, and how I approach myself. Guys, it, it, it may seem simplistic, it works for me. I'm just more and more in these settings, when, whether it's the high or the low, I just keep inviting Jesus in. I go, okay, Jesus is here. What would Jesus say about this? How am I measuring myself here according to Jesus? How, how am I finding my worth in him? How, how am I knowing that I have value in him. And this is where it blows the conformity thinking of the world because suddenly you realize I have worth and my worth is not based on my competency and my worth is not based on my wealth and my worth is not based on my looks and my works, worth is not based on how many likes I got. My worth is not based on all these other standards that are changing and moving and insecure all the time. My worth is based on the rock himself, Jesus Christ, and no one can take that away from me. It changes everything. So that's why Paul says, hey, instead of living in your normal drunk judgment, what would it like, look like to have that consistent, sober judgment about you? Here, here's one thing I just, to keep it simple. If I wanna think right about me, I just need to think more about him. And so every time you find yourself in that place, whether high or low, you're thinking the wrong thing about you, use this as an invitation and go, okay, let me think about Jesus. Let me think about his character. Let me think about what he thinks of me. Let me think about what he did for me. Let me think about how he treated people and how would he treat me in that moment. And so use it as that springboard to have that transformed thinking because he's the measure of our faith. Now, second question. Second question, do I belong? First question that we all wrestle with and we, we want our thinking straight is, is do I matter, but do I belong? And especially here in the church, especially in the body of Christ, remember Paul's writing Christians. And so you can ask yourself, do I really belong? And unfortunately, the studies that are coming out, Christians are struggling with the same problems as everybody else because I don't think this is going deep for us. And so you look at it, what are some wrong thinking to this? Well, one is I am alone. I'm alone. Uh, I've said it before and I've cited the stats on it, but there's an epidemic of loneliness that's happening across culture and even in church of people that even though they're surrounded by people or even though they're connected to people on devices all the time, at a core soul level, they would just go, I'm alone. I don't feel like anybody's really connected with me. And I feel that loneliness that kind of haunts you. I'm different. I mean, all those other people, I come in church today and I look at the people and everybody, you know, they look all good and, and they all have their life together. They all do this stuff that he's preaching about. I can't ever get my act together. I, I'm kind of the flunky of the body of Christ. I'm not quite there. 
And, and the interesting part, this is one of the reasons I encourage people to get in a life group. Or when, when, we, when we do Bible studies around here, when I teach with the men, this is why we always get in group later so everybody can talk. Because you, you all start looking at each other and you realize, oh wait, you're as messed up as I am. Oh, man, that's, that's encouraging. But, but see, when you're left on your own and, and that conformity thinking hammers you all the time, you feel like I'm alone and I'm different and nobody really understands. I'll never get there. And then the third part is I, I'm unimportant. I'm kind of the, the least important person, especially in the body of Christ, especially in this church. I, I really don't matter. It didn't really matter if I came today or not. Nobody would really care. It doesn't really matter if I show up or not. I'm kind of the fringe to the family. Maybe I'm in the family of God, but I, I'm kind of the fringe. I, I don't know if you remember, if, if you uh, are ever dating someone, you ever dated somebody during the holiday and they get together, you're like at the Thanksgiving meal or whatever, they go, oh, we need to get a family picture. And they all get up for the family picture and you don't know if you're really in the picture or not and they don't know if you're in the picture or not. You know, they're kind of looking at you and depending on whether the father-in-law likes you in particular, whether you're gonna be in the picture or not. And you kind of, you volunteer, how about I take the picture? And everybody's, oh yeah, that's a great idea, you know, and we can get the real family and you're over there taking the picture. And then we'll do one charity shot with you up here. You know, come up here, you know, kind of charity shot, but nobody's ever gonna keep that picture. I mean, you know, you know where you are in that. That's how some of you feel about you and the family of God. Yeah, I'm kind of in, but I'm not really. I mean, if they were taking the picture, I wouldn't be in it. I'm on the fringe. And, and, and the amazing thing about it is you can take a room with this many people and the majority are struggling with it. And you've convinced yourself that the majority are actually really connected and I'm the only one this way. See, that's wrong thinking that infects us. And it really shapes our whole outlook. It shapes how we see church. It shapes how we see ourselves. It shapes how we see life. So what does Paul say to address this? He says, well, okay, let's talk about us now. He says, for as in one body, we have many members and the members do not have all the same functions. So we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So he, he looks at us and he says, okay, let me use a, an example. We're a body and Paul uses this a lot. You see it in Corinthians, you see it in other places because he's trying to get us to, to realize how connected we are. We're not just an organization. We're not just a collection of people who decided to come and worship together. He said, we're actually linked together. In other places he says, it's because the Holy Spirit's in us. You've been linked, you're part of a body and it's the body of Christ. And, and as he describes it, look, look at the right thinking on this. He tells us, I belong in the body of Christ. You belong here. You belong because of Jesus. Now again, it's not because you earned something, because you did something, because we were looking for somebody just like you. Guys, we were all broken. We were all, remember, we did 11 chapters. We're desperate sinners that have been changed by Jesus. But when he changed us, Here's the cool thing that Jesus did. He realized how much we needed each other. And so instead of just changing us individually and we have this one relationship with him, he said, no, I'm gonna actually link you guys together and make you a body. And you matter. 
And some of you need to hear this. You belong. I, I, I think it's, this is one of the areas that we as the church, man, we have failed to capitalize. We have failed to grab one of the greatest advantages that God's given us as people linked by the Holy Spirit. That you should feel like you belong here more than anywhere else, more than any bar or any club or identity group or anything out there. We should know that we belong because of Jesus. And if people don't feel that, then maybe as a church we need to be asking ourselves, man, am I thinking the right way? Am I creating the kind of environment that people would go, they know they belong because they're part of the body of Christ. And they belong because of Jesus. And, And then with that, yes, you are different by design. Can you imagine a body that only had one type of part? A body of eyeballs? They put those in horror movies, by the way. A body of fingers? No matter how important the part is. And so yes, you're different. And thankfully, we have a church. Could could you imagine coming to a church and being part of a church and everybody there was exactly like you? Uh, a church full of me's? Seriously, I, I was thinking about it this morning. Like when we turned to greet each other, I'd be like, yeah, I know you, I'm sick of you. <laughs> you, don't, you, you don't want that. We, why? We need each other. And so by design, God said, yeah, I have uniquely crafted each part of that body. And every part is different, but important. And again, lest you've relegated yourself to the least important, pick a part of your body that you're willing to get rid of. It's all important. And so then when you come to that last part, am I needed here? Of course you're needed here. Now, maybe we've not introduced it in a way that you know that. Maybe we've not taught you that that you're needed in a way you don't realize your usefulness. And so that's why it comes back to that third question that's really important on this one is, do I have purpose? How do I know I'm needed? I mean, it's one thing for the pastor to stand on the stage, everybody's needed, we want you here. But why, why do I say that? Well, let's go back to the wrong thinking. Wrong thinking is, I don't have anything to offer God. And some of you think that about yourself. You go, well, okay, maybe my money. That's the only thing you want from me. But what else do I have to offer to God? I, I, you know, I'm not a teacher, I'm not a churchy kind of person even out of it. And so then you, you go off of that and Paul says, well, let, let me answer that. So you're one body having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So it's grace. This is a God thing. This isn't us thing. We didn't earn them. We didn't get them. It's by the grace of God, he's given each of us gifts. Let's use them. And then he goes through the gifts. If prophecy in proportion to faith, if service and serving, the one who teaches and is teaching, the one who exhorts and is exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So he's going through all of these, what we call spiritual gifts in it. And so here's the right thinking. I'll come back to that list in a second. Each of us have spiritual gifts that are from God. If you're a part of the body of Christ, if Christ has changed you, in this section, but in other parts of the New Testament, in fact, I listed some of the main passages you can see where it talks about these spiritual gifts. Now, they're spiritual gifts because they're Holy Spirit empowered. 
Remember we talked about that when, when you come to Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within you. And so the Holy Spirit wants to act through you and in you for the sake of the rest of the body. And so he has gifted you with spiritual gifts. And, and if you are a Christian, everybody has at least one. And if you're a Christian, nobody has all of them. There are no superhero Christians, you know, Superman. And if you were, you know, as a kid, I loved the DC comics that much more. And, you know, Superman was my favorite. But he, he was kind of the cheat among all the superheroes, wasn't he? You know, everybody kind of had their abilities and then here comes Superman, he can do everything. In the body of Christ, there's no Superman. But everybody has one of these spiritual gifts. And so you're useful in that. And so when you describe it, and, and this list, and I wanna be careful, because I don't think there's one conclusive list of all the spiritual gifts. And, and you can take, there's different inventories you can take, there's different tests that you can take out of that. Some of them might be helpful around that um, in it. There's some debate about some of the gifts, the sign gifts, are they still active today and all that. I, and honestly, at this point, I, I just want you grasping, what has God gifted you that you could use for the body? Look at some of the gifts in this passage. And again, this isn't the conclusive gift. So if you have the gift of prophecy, he says in the proportion of our faith. There were prophets in the church at that time in particular because they didn't have the written Bible. And so there were men and women who were prophets who, who could, inspired by the Holy Spirit, speak the truth of God's word to that body. Some prophets we read in, in the Bible are able to speak future thoughts that would come. It's Holy and Spirit inspired truth. The predominant way the gift of prophecy is used today though is this ability to use God's truth, God's word, to speak it very accurately and clearly and apply it in a context with it. It's an application of that. He, he says, if your gift is serving, then you do it in your service. This word literally means the ability to serve tables. Some of you are uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit that if there's a service project, if there's something that needs to be done, man, you show up and you are so effective in it. And, and you get so much energy out of it. Now, some of us have to show up and we're neither effective nor energized by it. And so God's given within the body the, these people that step forward. I always see it, it's always fun for me when we have a beautiful day, when we have service project, Dia de Unidad, you'll see it next Saturday. People with this, this unique gifting that they step into it and the Holy Spirit inspires and they lead in ways with it. Uh, the one who teaches in his teaching, if you've been given the gift of teaching, to be able to explain the Bible in a way that people can understand. Explain God's word in it. The one who exhorts in his exhortation, this is that word encouragement, to come alongside, to speak into someone, to give courage, to give power in their life, to call them up where they need it, to call them out where they need it. There's spiritual gifting in that. Uh, this is an interesting one, the one who contributes in his generosity. Some are uniquely gifted in giving, in giving financially, in giving generously. And I, I've seen this in the body of Christ. There's some people that God has uniquely gifted, and usually I've seen the two go hand in hand. Because they are so gifted in this and so generous with it, God blesses them, and it's almost like they are a funnel of resources to the kingdom of God. And some of you are like, 
okay, how do I get that gift? Hey, here's what I found. They didn't start the generosity when they started making a lot of money. It was always a part of their life. And so they were generous with little and God uniquely gifts and pours through that gift in it. The one who acts or the one who leads do it with zeal. The ability to strategically lead people, the ability to call people to something and take them to a place. He says, do it with zeal. Don't, don't lose your fervor for that. And if you've ever been in a leadership position, you can know that's one of the things you can lose pretty quick is zeal. As Paul says, use that gift with your zeal. The one who acts with mercy, these are people that your heart is knit. And so whether it's to the homeless, whether it's to the hungry, whether it's to a mercy ministry that, that your heart breaks for and you find yourself and you're moved toward that and you're able to provide real relief and mercy in that. Notice he says, but do it with cheerfulness. And again, I, I've found people that live in mercy ministries a lot, this can be the first thing that goes. Because when you're dealing with broken people all the time, you can lose your cheerfulness over it. And so that's part of that spiritual gifting of, Holy Spirit, do something in me that, that doesn't come natural. So here would be the key then. Every one of us should discover your spiritual gift or gifts. And how do you do that? Let me give you, it's, it's gonna be based on three things. I, I told you, you can take tests on that. I don't really like those as much. Here's what I found. It's usually an intersection of three different things in your life. One, aptitude. You have some natural abilities. You have natural abilities. I, I may want to have the gift of leading worship. And I could give my heart to it, but it ain't happening. God's not gifted. And, and so when he created me, he knew how he was gonna spiritually gift me as well. And so he gave natural abilities that went along the lines of these spiritual gifts. So the first place is just kind of look at your life and go, what are some of the things I do naturally? What are, what are the things that come to me? Then with that aspiration, where, are you, where do you feel passion? Where is it when, when you come to church, and here's a great way of asking them. Where is it that you go, man, if this church would only do X, this is what the church needs to be doing. That's usually your area of passion. And part of the reason that you feel so strongly about that is the Holy Spirit actually gifted you. You're probably the person that's supposed to be doing X. And so if this church isn't doing it and you're the person gifted with it, uh, it's a good indicator. Don't just stay frustrated, step into it. And, and then the third thing, and this is a key thing, others recognize your impact. You start using this gift and somebody comes alongside and you didn't think it was that big a deal and they, they're like, oh man. Man, your help was exactly what was needed. Man, your words of encouragement, you spoke into that in a way. I cannot tell you, it was like God speaking to me. Your, your teaching, your serving, your mercy, your gift came just at the right time. And you may look at it and kind of go, oh, I didn't think it was that big a deal, but it was exactly what was needed in that moment. Why? Because it was in, empowered by the Holy Spirit. See, th this would be, maybe if you're in a life group, this would be a great discussion to have where you look at these three things and, and you identify, hey, here's some of my abilities. Here's my, my aspirations, my passions around that. And, and then here's where people have affirmed me in the past and start trying to zero in and go, hey, what, what are some of the gifts that are represented here? What are the things that God's uniquely made me and called me to do?
See, as, as you do that, here's the thing that you, you need to recognize. I have a responsibility to use my gifts for others. He, he didn't just give the gift because he goes, oh man, this would be a cool thing that if you ever discover it one day. Remember, Christ is designing this for his whole body. And he's designing it for you. In fact, I, I think it's the most untapped resource out there are the spiritual gifts that happen in church where too often we reduce being a part of the body to just the experience of this room where you come and you get to see a few people use their gifts, but you didn't get to get in the game. And it was never designed that way. And no wonder that after a while you start getting frustrated with church. Maybe frustrated with your walk. Because Jesus put aspirations in you for so much more. And, and he put a responsibility on you to actually use the gifts that you were given. I mean, can you imagine if that resource was truly tapped, if all the gifts even in this room were fully unleashed? Can you imagine how sad it would be though if we squander it because we've convinced ourselves, I don't matter. Or we tell ourselves, I don't belong. Or, or we live with such an insecure and low view of ourselves. We'd never be willing to step out and try for the sake of others. You see now how all three of these questions so link together and how all of them come back to Jesus. Guys, we, we've moved through questions. Do I matter? Do I belong? Do I have purpose? These are the questions, honestly, everybody on this planet is trying to answer in one way or another. And we are the people by the grace of God that have found that answer and his name is Jesus. What would it look like for you if he truly were the answer to all those questions and you truly trusted him enough to actually live in this life that he's called you to. Remember I told you last week, the reason he calls you to living sacrifice, the reason God asks more of you is so that you can experience more of him. And that more of him is in the areas of life that you need it the most, that I need it the most, of do I matter? You better believe I matter because of Jesus. Do I belong? Oh, I absolutely belong. He's actually knitted me together to each of you. Do I have purpose? You better believe we have purpose because Jesus doesn't make anything worthless. And he designed you for this life of adventure, this life of meaning that can only be experienced in him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the gospel. I thank you that this good news answers the key questions of my heart. And I, I pray, would you uh, help this message go deep? Those days when I'm thinking so high of myself. Show me Jesus. Those times when I think so low of myself. Show me who I am in Jesus. 
those times for each of us where we can wrestle and feel like we're alone or we're different or no one understands or no one's experienced this and we feel like we're stuck in it. Lord, I feel like there's probably somebody here today that feels so stuck in that. Lord, I pray the gospel would break through right now. And Father, you know my passion that we would be a church that unleashes the gifts that you've given us across the Bay Area, around the world, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. You've given us these unique abilities through your Holy Spirit. I pray we would not only steward them well, but fully unleash them for your glory and for your sake and for your kingdom. And we pray these things in Christ's name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.